no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, yes, and welcome to. <laughs> we just thought of this name on the spot. <laughs> on his touch, yeah, a football podcast with uh, two very avid football fans, uh, Wilby and Woodson. I'm Wilby, and I'm Woodson. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got a lot to get through. Um, as this podcast was formerly called uh, Football Fridays, and then we also didn't record anything uh for two weeks and i've subsequently realized uh with how busy we are we, we can't always record it on a friday uh that being said we are recording it on a friday <laughs> <laughs> anyway we'll carry on so uh to start things off uh we'll go through t- uh, the two biggest games over the past two game weeks that we think that um ha- have happened the the biggest one i'd probably say is the battle of the top two uh yeah united city manchester derby um, obviously, United ending City's 21-game win streak uh, with a 2-0 win and goals from Fernandez from the spot and Shaw. Mm. Luke Shaw. Um, yeah, I, I suppose a few talking points that I had was whether Bruno Fernandez goes missing in big games. So even though they, even, even though they won, you still think he went missing? I, I suppose it's a <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. No, he can go missing and, and they and they still win. Like it's it's a fair point. I I, I would be inclined to agree with you, but I just yeah. Like, full full disclosure here, guys. Wolves actually watched the game. I haven't. <laughs> um, I've only seen the highlights. I mean, again, he, he scored a penalty, and one of the features of his stats against the big six is that he hasn't scored. Um, hasn't had a um, open play goal involvement in ten appearances against the big six in the Premier League. Speaks volume. So he scored two penalties, now three penalties, and had two assists from dead ball. Whereas against non big six, thirty one appearances, twenty one goals, fifteen assists. Jeez, so day far out. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, there's something to be said about it. I I've noticed before in big games like against oh, who are we watching. I can't remember, but uh, I know against Done. Arsenal, he. I'm not. It's a big game, but yeah, it's a big game. Uh, <laughs> we're just not. As, we're just not as much of a threat as we once were. But yeah, against Arsenal, he was non-existent. Mm. Um, and Paul Pogba, uh, while Party definitely outplayed him in that game, was far better than he was. I'm not sure if that's from his going missing in big games or Ollie being more conservative in big games because like we've touched on that Ollie's record against the big six is like a bunch of nil all draws and a one nil loss or a two nil loss like until this game he was he'd scored like one goal against the big six in like six or seven games so is it more of like a systematic Ollie's like Bruno rein it in we're trying to be resolute at the back and in midfield or is it he just goes missing in big games I think I think there's definitely something in that. Like, obviously, the way they've turned up to games against the big six under Ollie is very conservative. They've got that back four with um, McTominay and Fred in front of it, and they just lock up the defense. And I think that's probably why players like Pogba can 
shine a bit more in those scenarios because he does have, you know, I think individually he's he's more he's more talented if you know what I mean. Whereas Fernandez is a player that can sort of uh, works well within the team, but isn't necessarily. I also feel like as amazing as individual talent as yeah, Pogba is. Yeah, I would, I would agree. But also, I would feel like Fernandez is a player that also requires more service, whereas Pogba can get the ball himself in deeper positions and do something with it. Whereas yeah. Fernandez needs the ball to needs the needs to get, you know, at minimum 10, 15 touches in the opposition final third or opposition half to you know make something happen. Because like he's like we've said him before, like he like he gets the ball and he often like quote-unquote, wastes a lot of opportunities by like taking shots from 20 yards, 30 yards, you know, firing in these these crazy crosses and stuff. And look, the reason he's so successful is because he gets such a high volume of these against smaller teams that eventually they come good. And like you take enough shots, you hit enough crosses, that you're going to get goals and assists. And you can do that against smaller teams because you get given that. And like that's not a knock on Fernandez. Like, it, it, like, you know, it's like to use a sort of bad analogy in basketball, you know, basketball players, they'll most of them average around 50%. Like, they'll take 20 shots and score 10. Mm. So, like, it, it works. And he works He works harder than Pogba. And that's why he gets in more positions, mm. yeah. I think there's something as well in that comparison that I suppose in big games, also Pogba, because he's sort of more of a box-to-box, he can have more influence from deeper, whereas Bruno, like you were saying, is he's, he kind of relies on on playing that 10 role and therefore the team getting forward, which they haven't done. True. Yeah, I think there's also something, something to be said about in big games. Um, again, I can't really remember. I would need to have a bunch of, I need to have the film of all these games and watch it back. And I'm, uh, full disclosure, not going to do that much research. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I feel like teams like with a solid defensive midfielder like City with Rodri, Chelsea with Kante, uh, Spurs with um, Hoiberg may man mark him. I'm, I'm not sure if they do, yeah. but they might, and that could also be a thing that nullifies him. But that, but then again, but then again, that, that like that's not entirely like that's, more, that's also on Bruno to beat the mark because like good players like Kevin like Kevin De Bruyne and stuff can beat like they'll get they get he's got been man marked before and he gets past it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, if if he wants to be that big successful player and, be- and become and, and bring United up he needs to start performing better in big games because he did I think it was the Liverpool game he had a shot at like the six yard box and missed it and yeah, he it scored was. the penalty obviously against City but I, a, a few other clips there was like a really good counter attacking move and Bruno got the ball and kind of just did this really shitty touch and broke it down completely so yeah. he needs to show off a bit more but apart from Bruno, not sure. Like, did United... Um, again, I've seen the highlights. Uh, it looked like a fairly even game to me based on the highlights. But would you say United deserved that on the balance of play? Yeah, I would say so. It was... By the end, I've got here... It, by the end, it was 65% possession to City. But they both had six shots on target each. And in the first, like, 20 minutes or so, United were pretty dominant. Yeah. Like, they had the bulk of the attacking attacking play yeah so yeah um I think another interesting one is whether Luke Shaw is now the best left back in the Premier League what do you what are your thoughts <laughs> see when Wilbur told me this was it last night you mentioned yeah, you were going to bring this up yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I did think about it uh, I think on form right now he's in the conversation 
I think he's got a long uh, a long way to go before he's considered the best in the Premier League, you know, full stop. Um, maybe not a long way, but some way to go still. But I also think that he's possibly got more freedom to be that good two-way left-back um, than a Robertson does because Robertson is and Trent, to be fair, have both been nullified somewhat by Liverpool's central defensive deficiencies because they both have to stay back to shore, that, shore up or try and interrupt Liverpool's defence so they're not able to get forward as much and I also don't think that any of Liverpool's defensive issues have really come from Robertson's left side most of the time mm. I think Trent if anyone's the one that is more susceptible to being exploited but that being said Luke Shaw is playing phenomenally and United are winning games Liverpool are not so I definitely think there's a conversation to be had there I just wouldn't like it's easy to forget how good Robertson is so I I would say he's if if, he, if Luke Shaw is in the top three, arguably top two. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I think that's a good point. You, you almost can't judge judge <laughs> judge Robertson on this season because of of the different style of play that Liverpool have have had to adapt to because of the deficiency in central defence but I suppose the other point is that May United have deficiencies in central defence yeah but like <laughs> they have deficiencies but like I'll take Lindelof and Maguire over Nate Phillips and Ozan Kabak in any day would you? <laughs> I reckon I would <laughs> Maguire to be fair has, has, has recently I think been more solid yeah I don't know about Lindelof Lindelof's jury's still out but he's been more solid I think and uh, I've seen like little clips uh of him being like really good vocally like there's little like sort of like pitch mics that behind the gold yeah. uh catch stuff i've seen little videos of him he's like really vocal seems to be quite a leader at the back there uh and again i, d- I think like we've been saying it for ages um if they give him a good center back pair he will be a good defender because he was at leicester he's just it's yeah. just you know uh but yeah I, I, did you see did you hit the pit side pitch side mic when he Rashford was like, yeah. swearing at it. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, that's um, classic, like Sunday League, though. It's yeah. like classic, like you know, sort of like striker who rates himself a bit, and the defender's like, "Come on!" He's like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do?" <laughs> what was he supposed to do? Yeah, the no. ball was coming like really quick at his head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just on the the Shaw versus Robinson comparison, they've both each got one goal, five assists from twenty four and twenty eight appearances respectively so I suppose a sort of limited Robertson is still keeping up with the stats of of Shaw but I I also feel like it's more balanced because Liverpool's style is oh sorry United's style isn't anywhere near as dominant dominant, uh, dependent on fullbacks yeah true as Liverpool's is when Liverpool are clicking with you know Gomez and um, Van Dijk at at the middle uh, but I do think, yeah, like uh, from watching him play, and the goal he scored was phenomenal. Um, Shaw, and it's kind of something we've been wanting to see from Shaw pretty much since he signed. Like since Mourinho, Mourinho signed him from Southampton, right? I think. I think it might have been Van Hart, Sir, Sir Alex, Sir Alex. I'm pretty sure. Jesus. Because I remember there was a video online of yeah, because like, he was like 18, right? And, and he's he got a call now. from Sir Alex, and there was like a video. Oh uh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Well. um... Yeah, well, like, 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 he got signed because he was this, like, 18-year-old wonder kid left back at Southampton. And everyone was like, this guy's going to be the next Ashley Cole, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, and he had, he's never really quite delivered on it. He's had injuries, to be fair. He's also, according to Mourinho, had uh, effort issues, quote-unquote. 
But I feel like, yeah, it's he's in a system now. It's finally working. Uh, United signing Alex Tejas seemed to like light the fire under his... I don't even know what the saying is here. <laughs> under his ass. <laughs> under his ass, that's the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's working for him. He's playing well. Um, as much as I dislike United, I like to see I like him and I like to see it. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, if it keeps going and Liverpool keeps struggling, who knows? Like, And it's a good problem... For England, who's and in the English national team is not something we've touched on in a podcast before, but with Gareth announcing his uh, first squad of the new year in a week, something we will touch on soon. So he's making a case to, I reckon he plays over Chilwell now for sure. Or who, who else do we have at left back? No one really. Oh, like he can't play. Yeah, or he plays, plays Trippier at left back. He better not play <laughs> Trippier over Luke Shaw. Yeah. But yeah, no, good signs. Um, and then I suppose just the last thing quickly is that City bounced back very comprehensively against Southampton. Yeah. With five. five well, that being said, they, they did they did cop two goals and had a, copped a few chances. They look a little yeah, leaky. Yeah, But they, they scored five. So, yeah. I think, yeah, it was a bit of a wake-up call and I'm not sure you said someone said it on one of our pundit shows that we like to watch, but like it was like the perfect time for them to lose a game. Yeah, Graham Selness. Yeah. On, yeah. Well, I don't really like him, but... Uh, but it's a good point. It's a good point. It's a really good point. Good, <laughs> yeah. With four trophies. Still to play for. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good time for them to just be like, okay, something went wrong. Clearly, clearly we're not the like you know, this juggernaut, or they are, but like clearly you know we've got chinks in the armour. Pep can reassess, tinker with it, and yeah. then, yeah, they bounce back. They should, like, it's something they always do. They, they lose a close game against a big team or get upset, and then the next, the next game they just come out all guns blazing. Yeah. So that was like the Riyad Mahrez show that game. Oh my god, <laughs> he's so good, man. He's I, I, so I was good. thinking about it while I was watching that game. I reckon he's my favorite player in the Premier League. Mm. Favorite, just, favorite player that doesn't favorite player that doesn't play for my team. But yeah, yeah. he's just crazy the way he can dribble past players. Yeah, and like the that shots he get off, he gets off are crazy. Like literally, I was saying to our housemate, um, Declan was watching the game with us, and he's not much of a football fan, but he, he gets it. Uh, and I was just like, literally, any time he cuts in on his left foot, inside or outside the box, it's 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 yeah. it's, it's over. Like it's a goal. It's a goal. Yeah, because he got he got two goals, and then there was the the shot with his actual his right foot across the keeper that the, hit the post, and then Gundogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so dangerous. That's the thing. Like, I I get sometimes he's like he he does go missing in games. Um, and then he also gets rotated in and out of the team, but like he, he's the best. He's like in their best eleven. He has to be in it, surely. Like yeah. he's that good. Yeah. Yeah. On his day, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on, we've got the other biggest game of the past two game weeks that we've had, uh, which had really big uh, top four implications. Uh, it was Chelsea versus Everton. Everton were, had been res- uh, surging after their two 0 win at Liverpool, um, winning the next two games after that, one uh, 0 against West Brom and Southampton. And Chelsea had also not uh, not lost a game yet under Thomas Tuchel, uh, but Chelsea won two 0 And um, uh, while it may pain you to say, I thought they thoroughly outclassed you in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so. I, I, yeah. I, I would like. Yeah, they're definitely good for their win. Um, like the goals look a bit iffy on paper, like a Godfrey own goal and a Jorginho pen. But yeah, like Everton just. Like what I've got noted down here is uh, Chelsea have Tuchel has Chelsea significantly more solid at the back while looking arguably more fluid going forward than they were under Frank, especially on the counter. And it was just a case of yeah, Everton couldn't could barely break 
Chelsea down, and then as soon as and then, then as soon as they won it, they were out to the Mason Mounts and the actually no Mason Mount came out late. They were out to the um, you know Callum Hudson Adoys, the Kai Havertzes and uh, Timo Werners and all that, and they were looking really good. Which leads me on to my next point, which is um, is Havertz maybe finding his feet? Like I don't know, it's only been one game. I'm not sure if he played the week before, but I think if any man, any manager could get the best out of Havertz, it would be Thomas Tuchel, who is worked in the German football league for so long and knows how to bring the best out of talents that play in that league. And yeah, I know it was a handball, but his goal was disallowed, but that was really well taken. He seemed to always pop up in these little pockets of space. So Yeah, and also <laughs> the, the first goal um, could have easily been chalked up as his. It was yeah. like he, he hit it and it was just off target and Godfrey hit it. Put it in, but, which um, is unlucky, but, but yeah. Yeah, I think he... I mean, he he seems to he seems to have found his feet a little bit in that game, but again, it it is yeah it is one game, and I'm still not sure about just physically. He looks a bit yeah. He looks like he looks like one. an Urzil type yeah. But like but like yeah, in terms of the physicality, not in terms of most other things. But I think I think the I, th- I reckon the biggest positive, obviously, the defensive um, sort of get getting that side together under Tuchel. But like um, the emergence of uh, Caltech, Callum Hudson Adoy, yeah. is he's just killed it. And like we he knew, we, so we knew he was good game. because when Frank Lampard had to play him last season because he didn't have transfers, he was a gun. Yeah. But then stupid Frank had all this money thrown. He was like, "Oh no, I'm not going to play him anymore." One of the reasons I don't like Frank is just like, "Oh, I've got all this money. I'm just going to completely ignore players that killed it for me last season." And it's just yeah. like, no. But yeah, I agree. He's he was so good, and he. He basically set up that first, um, the first goal, and yeah, he was just he, he was, was electric crazy, for yeah. sure. Yeah, running in behind constantly. Uh, another note I've got down here is I think Everton are still a few pieces away from consistently challenging big teams in the Premier League. I'm talking like two, maybe three pieces away. Mm. Yeah, would I you think, agree? Yeah, I think making top four this year is a, this season is a stretch, but you will you will make Europa League. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that. But yeah, I think you beat a weak and Liverpool team and you and you drew three all against United, but then you've lost quite convincingly to City and Chelsea and that United game, they did dominate for large parts of it. So I feel like if you want to consistently go sort of toe-to-toe with those teams, you're two or three piece, midfield pieces away. Oh, not midfield, uh, pieces away. One of them is in midfield, one of them is on the wing and one of them is a right back, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an issue that I think Tottenham... Like were sort of experiencing a few like a few game weeks ago when they lost Harry Kane out of the squad, Gareth Bale wasn't performing, and we'll get onto that shortly. But their defense got exposed a lot more because they didn't have those pieces up top to hold the ball up and actually create things when they go forward. So like I think we've got a good defensive structure. We've got a good striker in Dom that can hold it up kind of well, but there's still. We're just missing the that bit of quality further up the pitch that can take the pressure off the defense because yeah. we 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 kind of held Chelsea off until I don't know when their first goal was, but it was kind of like towards the end of the second half, I, I believe, maybe like thirty five minutes in, and we kind of held them off really well for thirty five minutes, but then I just think the constant constant attacking from Chelsea kind of yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing like you don't want to be if you're challenging these. Top four, top four, top six teams consistently. You don't want to be a team that's just like, you know, holding on for dear life and then maybe hitting on the counter. 
You want to be playing nice football, you know, going about your business type of thing. And yeah, I just feel like, and actually one piece that I didn't mention before is that I will mention now is another point I made for this game is that is Jordan Pickford a keeper that can take Everton to the top four? I reckon he is. You reckon he is? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say he's not. I reckon he's a good keeper and he has moments where he makes amazing saves, but his decision-making and his... And his uh, like distribution? No, no. His decision-making and his... Um, I think the word escapes me here, but his proneness to errors... Yeah, yeah. Just, I just, like, I don't have enough confidence in him to be like, because you think of top, the top four keepers, you've got Henderson or De Gea for United, Edison for um, City, Allison for Liverpool, and then Mendy for Chelsea, and then even, like, even, we're 10th, but Leno for Arsenal, Schmeichel for Leicester, and uh, Lloris for Tottenham. Is Pickford on the calibre of any of those keepers? No, in my opinion. Yeah, he no, he is. He's on the caliber of Loris. Maybe, reckon. but like, he Loris is the bottom end of those, and like I think Mourinho. I reckon he's almost on the caliber of De Gea at the moment because De Gea's obviously had those plenty, plenty of issues leading to goals recently. But I, I agree, there's probably a temperament. Yeah, it's issue. a decision making thing there. Yeah, I just feel like it's 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 like he's he's really good for two, for two three and this is a sort of I sort of similarly compare it to Grant Shaka. It's like really good for a month maybe, and then lets himself down with a bad decision or an error or two. Then like he plays good for another few weeks and you're like oh cool and then lets himself down again. And it happens too often for me. For if Everton have really realistic uh, dreams of like being in the top four and staying in the top four, they need a better goalkeeper in the long run. I feel like he's good for now, but. I, I think he's a bit younger than, than a lot of those keepers as well. Yeah, true. Maybe with the exception of Mendy. But no, Mendy's 28. Okay, right. I, he's, he's a lot younger, so I think that temperament side also like, comes into play there. True. And, and I think he does have that just talent as a goalkeeper, like pretty raw talent. And I think maybe that side of his game could get... Hopefully, could get better because okay. I really like him as well. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I was quite hurt when he got dropped for Robin Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> How dare! But it's it's yeah, it'll be an interesting development to see how his game improves and how if it can improve, how Everton can improve. Because I feel like every good top six team needs a good goalkeeper. That's the solid base you start with. My final note from this game is Chelsea are a striker and maybe a centre-back away from challenging from the title again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's changed a lot since Tuchel's... Yeah, since I know, I know he's, he's got them solidified defensively, but I still don't trust having Christensen and Rudiger and whoever else, that, and Zuma at the back. It's them. just crazy how good, how good they've been Yeah, since Tuchel's come in. But yeah, probably a centre-back. And I don't What do you think of Werner? I, I, I feel like Werner's not a striker. He's not. He he can't finish. Yeah, he really he's, can't he, he's, finish. he's he's a winger that can maybe play as like an inside forward, but he's not a striker. He's good at he's really good at getting in behind, but he can't finish. So yeah, maybe better as a winger. But it's well, just, we say he couldn't finish, but he he was scoring bags of goals for three seasons for Leipzig. So I don't really get it where it's gone. But um, and it's, maybe it's one of those things that like he gets all these chances eventually, like they starts to click. Who knows? But something we something. We've talked about before off air is 
what team we potentially think that uh, Erling Haaland would be good on, and we and we both agreed it would be United. But Erling Haaland would be electric in this Chelsea team. Yeah, true. Yeah. So I think another point that we touched on on a fair that he would fit in. He would fit in every team, but like in terms <laughs> of like wants and needs of the teams that like would be going for, I think it would be between Chelsea and United. Yeah, and they they've got a lot of similarities in that sort of yeah very. Quick and if they could ship Abraham and Giroud, maybe because like they'd have to have to I'd have to like you know make some money to spend some money. You know what I mean? Um, it is Chelsea. Yeah, it is Chelsea. I could just throw it, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. Anyway, moving on. We've got... Uh, okay, yes. So, looking ahead to this week, we're only going to preview one game this week uh, because it's really the only big game on the card. Uh, um, and it is the North London Derby. Before we get into that, um, we're going to talk about... How good Spurs have been, just to really set paint the picture for uh, my prediction later. Which, which, oh, you, by the end, of, by the time I finish talking about this, or we've talked about this, you'll probably get where I'm going to be going with my prediction. Anyway, they're finally cl- clicking with all their uh, offensive weapons. Uh, Bale's uh, finally in full fitness, and Mourinho's finally starting him in games, which is what we were crying out for for about a month or so. Uh, Bale and Kane look incredible, incredible, so good that Son, as good as he is, is playing third string at the moment. Which is, you, if you had said that at the start of the season, people would have been, no way, he's arguably Tottenham's best player. Um, but yeah, it's, he's not even playing badly. Like, he's, he's having goals and he's having an assist in goals here and there, but like, he's just, the other two are just that good. And uh, yeah, I think that with how good they are, if Spurs sign a centre back or two and retain Bale next season, they'll be serious contenders again. Yeah, for sure. I think. Yeah, obviously those those defensive like all the issues that Tottenham were having literally like two weeks ago are just gone now. Mm. I think because the the two issues were liable at, liable at the back, the two main issues liable at the back and boring. Yeah, and Kane and Son looking tired and yeah. somewhat toothless. Yeah, rejuvenate and I think De- Deli Ali coming back into the picture a little bit more as well is is huge. Can do can be good things. Yeah, he looked really good in that Europa League game, and yeah, Kane looks rejuvenated with multiple outlets now in uh, Bale and Son. Uh, Bale is just like I I like on record. I fucking hate Tottenham, but <laughs> god damn, is it nice to see Gareth Bale cut inside on his left and score some mint goals. Yeah. Because, oh man, it's just the nostalgia just slaps you in the face. <laughs> no, it, it, it is beautiful to Like, watch. that move against... I, I've gone on about it off air before, but that move against fucking Crystal Palace where, like, he, like, hits it on onto his, like... You know, he goes, like, left to right through two Palace defenders and hits, like, a left-footed cross for Son. And Son doesn't score the header. He should have scored the header. But I was like, oh! Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. Amazing. Um, and then, yeah, like, the, the the goal he scores in the Europa League where, like, he, like, cuts back on... uses his right foot to cut back onto his left and he sends the fucking defender for a hot dog sliding after the screen. I'm just like... Yeah, that was kiss. beautiful. Yeah. Um, he's so good. And he's, like, 31, so there's still there's still life in the in the old dog yet, but oh, my God. I think I think he's definitely got a couple more couple more seasons yeah like he's lost a tad he's lost a tiny bit of pace but like he he doesn't need it yeah he's got the quality to make up for it yeah i think i think definitely though those issues so the boring side the boring issues kind of out the window Mm. now that they've got a few more attacking players um hitting 
hitting form. Mm. Also, Lamella was actually played all right this morning. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, from what I could tell. Whatever. And, <laughs> but yeah, that I think it's definitely glossing over the issues they have at the back because they need a centre back, right? But badly. But like the fullbacks are pretty shit, like, to, yeah. like average too. Yeah, I mean, apart from Reggion, they're average. You got yeah. uh, Aurier, Davies, and Doherty. Yeah. And Doherty's like I don't know why Doherty wasn't playing. Um, when Aurea was playing because Aurea's just how the hell his Premier League quality is beyond me he's not um, <laughs> but yeah so Doherty has been playing uh, he played against Palace when they won 4-1 I'm like he might have played against Burnley as well and he he's serviceable for now but yeah they, they need probably need a right back as well yeah for sure yeah, d- definitely, definitely issues at the back, It'll which be, is weird for a Mourinho yeah, team. But, but yeah, it's kind of what he, in, he inherited, though, to be fair. Yeah. Because like, you think of the teams he's had, you know, at, um, at Chelsea, you know, Cavalier and Terry and Cole and whoever they had a right back. Um, and then again, he had, you know, Terry, Cahill, uh, Luiz, uh, Marcus Alonso, um, Azpilicueta, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think... Spurs are just like eight goals in their last two games are looking red hot, which brings me to the game they're playing this week against a little small team from North London called (laughs) Arsenal. Um, So in saying all that about Spurs, on the flip side, (laughs) you've got... uh, So Spurs have scored eight goals in their last two games while conceding one. Uh, Whereas Arsenal uh, just uh, just drew one all to Burnley. Felt like a loss. We beat Leicester 3-1 um, the game before, but here's a here's a stat for you. Um, I'm not sure if this includes the game this morning when we beat Olympiacos 3-1, but gifted them a goal. It says, Arsenal, of five of the last six goals conceded, have been gifted by individual errors by Arsenal players. So they are 100% architects of their own downfall right now. Yeah. So there's probably another one this morning. Yeah, so that's yeah. seven of eight. No, it's six of seven. But yeah, it's just, it's the same old shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> like for years, even with Wenger teams, like then you, you, you sold Mustafi and Kolasinac and Socrates and all those guys. And I'm like, okay, it's the same like banter era that's been going on for years. Yeah. And like, oh, it's just like, you watch some of the errors that we can see. Like this morning, like you could like, we just said before off air it could happen three times before it did happen yeah it should have happened three <laughs> times in the way that so yeah there was, what there was the Odegaard the Odegaard second one. minute also the fourth minute and then there was David Luiz David Luiz yeah in like the 39th minute yeah and then eventually they coughed one in I mean, the Sabi- and like the Sabayas one reminded me of the Shaka one against Burnley like you could I, I, the, he's been given the ball a little bit red hot by Leno in that position but like I'm like we're taught we play state league five me and Wilbur like we're not we're not like the be all and end all of like footballing knowledge and prowess but we're taught by our coaches at that level that if you're under the pump or two things two one turn don't turn blind like Ceballos did this morning and two if you're under the pump and the keeper gives you the ball play it straight back to him hmm. or like just hoof it out yeah and so against Burnley Shaka's just I don't even know what that pass was he's like half lob half pass thing it hit Chris Wood on the hip and goes in like what are you doing <laughs> um, and then today Sabayos just like goes I'm going to turn left I can't even I don't even know there's a player there but I'm going to turn left and just turn straight into a wall I'm just like and he, this is like five minutes after he came on too it's just like 
take party off of that. Just, mm. so, so yeah, we are shooting ourselves in the foot almost every week. Um, that being said, party's almost back to 100%, uh, and Erdegaard looks really good. Um, uh, despite all the like errors we can we, we concede by our own um, foot, uh, we actually do look quite solid at the back. Uh, Arteta's got his right foot, left foot, centre back pairing thing down. He's got multiple combinations with that. Uh, he's got Cedric and Bellerin uh, on the right uh, on the right side, and Tierney just is a stalwart on the left side. Incredible. Uh, but that being said. Um, I still don't trust Shaka. Like I said, it's the same thing with the pickers before. He has three or four games and then just does that like he did against Burnley. Uh, Aubameyang up top, I'm still not sold on. I still think we look better in terms of our passing and movement through the lines when Lacazette is in the team, but it seems like he's not going to play. So all in all, I, 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 despite the fact that we're playing at home, I reckon we're going to lose. <laughs> I reckon think? it'll be close because it's a derby, so I'm I like a two one or something like that. But I reckon we're gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I think Spurs will win as well. Do you think this this issue with um, five of the last six goals conceded are individual errors? Do you think that's just the I suppose a combination of obviously it's obviously it's partly due to the system where you we look to play out from the back. Mm-hmm but more the fault of not having that quality. Like, the ability of certain players to do it. And therefore, like, you, you need... Because it was, what, it was Shaka, Ceballos... Um, Luiz. Luiz. Erdegaard, but I wouldn't say he's one of the people. But, like, yeah, and then... I, th- I think I think that, that could be part of it. Like, maybe some... The, the players who are making the errors... Are just not maybe up to yeah, stretch. but also just like the errors that they make are errors that any Premier League footballer shouldn't make. Yeah, like you shouldn't be making that error if you play for Brighton or Sheffield United. Like mm. they're like schoolboy errors. So like I, I yeah, we we don't have the quality that we that Arteta wants in midfield, uh, in, in some of the positions in midfield and arguably in centre back too. But that doesn't still doesn't excuse the errors that they make. Like it's just like you can't make that error. Um, but yeah, like. It's it's tricky. Like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, Ceballos looks really good sometimes, and look looked good when he came. It looked good for the rest of the game when he came on today against Olympiacos. But it's just like you can undo a whole game of looking good by that one moment. Yeah. Again, again, it, it comes back to that thing. Like the I suppose the idea surrounding Pickford and and whether, like, you can be good at times. Yeah. But that. Can, can, that, that means like you need to be good all the time if you want to yeah. play for Arsenal. Consistency is key at the top level. Yeah, you have to be good all the time. Like 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 I've said before, when Aubameyang was playing badly, no one cares about the past three seasons where you've scored twenty goals. They care about the fact that you haven't scored a goal in ten games. Hmm. You know, no one cares that you've just pinged passes around and like you know dropped in between the lines and maybe got an assist. If you're Ceballos, because if you gift a goal away like that, that's all people are gonna remember. But yeah, uh, Arsenal are gonna. It's yeah, it's it's gonna be hard for, even though you, you, your defense has been decent recently. I think it's gonna be hard to contain. those, yeah. those three, especially like yeah, if I, like they've got a three pronged attack that are all really good. It's not like you know you've got like one really good and then two pretty good guys. It's like they're all world class. Mm. So yeah, it'll be tricky. 
He's like, I, I, I reckon Tierney will hold his own against whoever's on that side. Bellerin will get exposed. Um, and then, yeah, Kane's got... Kane's scored so many goals in North London derbies. So, yeah, he'll do his thing. Mm. To, yeah, I suppose it's to the Emirates, but that doesn't mean, so, yeah, that doesn't you, mean anything. I'm going <laughs> probably a 2-1 loss, but if you had to pick one score... 3-0 3 Alright So We usually do A, a weekly VAR uh, Segment uh, Where we Give our grievances uh, About VAR Usually it's called How has VAR Pissed people off this week But uh, there's been So many VAR incidences In the past two weeks That we're calling this one VAR The good The bad The bad The bad And the ugly <laughs> Um, so we'll start off with the good the good um, in not the weekend just passed but um, the weekend before's game Arsenal versus Leicester where we won 3-1 there was two really good uses of VAR so the first one was um, Pepe goes down what looks like in the box from a foul from Tielemans penalty called VAR checks it and it, it is a foul but it's actually Indeedy that fouls him outside the box so it's a free kick given and I'm like yeah that, that was really good that was really good yeah. use of and then uh, Pepe hits a shot Indeedy's doing some sort of funny dance with his hands above his head hits him in the hits him in like the elbow um, ref doesn't see it somehow uh, play goes out ball stops ref goes and looks at the monitor Checks it. Doesn't even need to look at it twice. It's an obvious handball. Calls penalty. I'm like, beautiful. This is clear and obvious errors that the referee is missing that are going to walk to both teams. I love it. Um, and yeah, I was like, after the game, I was like, oh yeah, I, I was in high spirits anyway because we won. <laughs> but I was like, this is this is good. This is a step in the right direction. Like, like I'm not sure if they changed anything. They probably didn't. Maybe they just had the right personnel in the booth on the day. But like, that's yeah. what you want from VAR, right? Like... I think yeah, I, I think that's the thing. It uh, again, like I, I, I think it matters who you've got in charge of the VAR, and and that's gonna determine how good it is on the day. Yeah, which is, I suppose, the issue. Yeah, which then brings us to the first one of the bad. Um, I don't know who was the referee. I don't remember who was the referee on the pitch for the Fulham Spurs game. I don't remember who was the VAR for the Fulham Spurs game, but. Um, I think his name is Mario Lamina. It's Lamina, definitely. But basically, um, ball is kicked. His hands are... Let me paint a picture for you. Like Picture you just like standing shoulder width apart, hands pretty much touching the outside of your thighs. Like They're in the most natural, natural position they can be. The ball's kicked at him from about a meter away. Hits, hits him in the hand, yes, but like by the letter of the law, it's not handball because his hands are in a natural position and there's um, it's ball to hand. There's no movement of the hand to the ball. It's not a handball. Shortly after that, like literally a couple seconds after that, Fulham score, they go one all with Spurs. VR has a look, gets given handball for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, and then Spurs end up uh, coming away with that one, one nil. Um, yeah, again, that's just like... It was also, like yeah, like, like you said, his, his, his hand is basically on his thigh. Yeah. So the, the ball would have hit his thigh yeah. anyway. Yeah. And, and it, it, didn't, it, it didn't change the way the ball deviated yeah, at all. Yeah, at all. It didn't affect the play one bit. So then the next one, um, on the flip side, Arsenal versus Burnley, Pepe looks to move the ball in the air over uh, Peters, Eric Peters' leg. Peters sort of... 
hard, hard, so kind of hard to describe when you can't see it, but like sort of like steps out towards him with his with his hand out, sort of at right angles with his shoulder, and sort of moves towards the like it might have been inadvertently, but sort of moves towards the ball and t- and hits the ball and stops the Pepe stops the ball from going past him and Pepe going past him and the ball goes behind Pepe, and Pepe is going screaming for a penalty. The referee doesn't see it VAR looks at it looks at it from multiple angles and it's just like the clear most clear as day handball like he's, he's impacted the play hands from an unnatural position ball mo- hand moves towards the ball the only argument was that it, like proximity like he didn't have a lot of time to react because like the ball's only moved about a meter same amount of, same amount of space that the Fulham Spurs one but like surely proximity doesn't matter when yeah. your hands move towards the ball it's immediately affected the play and your hands in an unnatural, unnatural position yeah like I just yeah, and I think yeah, just 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 on that last one, like 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 coming back to it, like it's clearly changed the way the ball, like the path of the ball, yeah, in, in an illegal way, yeah. So it's just like when that screen's saying no penalty, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then the a former referee Chris Foy was like interviewed about it on like a football show, like I know he so he was asked, he was interviewed about it for like um one of the British newspapers, probably the Sun, um, but it was like yeah, perfect decision. Right call should have stood proximity blah 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 and I was just like, yeah. What are we teaching these refs? Yeah, this is just the refs backing each other up. Man. I yeah. feel like this is the problem with VAR because it's like they're not gonna disagree with like when the VAR says look at this, they're, yeah. they're almost gonna make the call. And that's the thing. I want uh, like they when VAR was first brought in, one of the refs they would cross to was Howard Webb, former Premier League refing legend, and he actually didn't always back up his refs. Sometimes he'd be like, no, he's got that one wrong there. Yeah. And that's why Howard Webb is probably one of the best refs of all time, because he's got, you know, the balls to be like, no, that's that's the wrong decision. Yeah. But anyway, moving on to, um, you, uh, this is probably, you're a little bit more over this one, so the Sevilla Dortmund one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so to to start off with, uh, Harlan's making a run to the box. The ball comes in, and the severe the severe defender makes a tiny bit of contact with him, and he goes down. And then a bit of play goes on for about a minute, a minute and a half. So the ball like comes so a minute. So the ball comes out of the box. Yeah, the ball goes all the way across, like over the top of where Harlan got tapped on the back by the severe player. Yeah, came basically to, to Sevilla's right-hand side and went up up the wing a little bit and then the ball came back in to when Haaland takes on like three players, does a one-two and then shoves off a Sevilla player and scores a goal. Incredible goal. Yeah, like, amazing oh. goal. <laughs> um, and then a VAR check starts happening and everyone thinks that it's to check whether the goal shouldn't stand because in the lead up to the goal as I said Haaland sort of makes contact with a severe player kind of shoulder to shoulder and knocks him over it turns out that they they call the penalty back for the initial the initial push on in the box on Haaland and then and then <laughs> the keeper the keeper saves it um and shouts something in Harlan's ear. This is not related to Bar. Um, it's all part of the all part of the narrative. That's why we're trying to paint a picture for you here. And then VAR looks at it, and the keeper was had come off his line before Harland had taken the penalty, which is a good use of VAR. Yeah. Some people don't like it, but it's, it's the letter of the law. Um, and then 
Harlan takes it again, scores, and shouts in the keeper's face. <laughs> and then a bit of push and shove ensues, and we love to see that. And then yeah, Harlan got a yellow card, and I didn't think that should be a yellow <laughs> yeah, card. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, anyway, I suppose the sort of good and bad VAR used in, in that one. So. Yeah, but like, I've just got, like, uh, initially we, we had the, the main issue with this is just play advantage. That's what the advantage was for. Like, mm. let the goal stand. It doesn't matter if it's a penalty before because they've already scored a goal. Like, like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But secondly, have you, uh, do you remember when the whole, like, second action thing about v- the rule about VAR? Yeah. yeah. Like, if, 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 if an incident happens, like a handball or something, and then the ball gets cleared out, and then the, and another attack starts. It's second action, so whatever happened in that first action is nullified. Mm. So this is completely second action. Like, the ball goes across the box, comes over to the right side, down the right wing, into Dortmund's half, and then back into Sevilla's half and a goal. That is so far and gone from the, from the penalty incident. Like, it's almost third action. Yeah. Like... It's crazy as well because Dortmund scored the like they scored the goal. Yeah, like just just like it's it's done. You don't need to call it unless it's unless it's something to disallow the goal for a foul that a Dortmund player makes or an offside or a handball. There's just no reason to call that back. Yeah, because like in, it, because yeah, the second action as well was kind of like if like maybe they call back the penalty for Dortmund when Sevilla had gone up the other end yeah. and scored and, and whether that should be involved. Yeah, that, that was what the second action thing. But, yeah, but like, like, just like, yeah, if, if, if like, in what world when you're playing football, if a pl- if like, do you want a penalty? Like, it's say, you know, just say you're having a shot, and you get fouled as you're trying to take a shot, but then the ball ricochets to me and I score. In what world do we want a penalty there? Yeah, we don't want one. We yeah. want the goal. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a pretty clear advantage. So that, that I feel like that's I think like. That's I I think like that's solely a VAR thing. I don't think that's a referee on the pitch thing. I think that's just solely like he's been told to do something and he's just like what okay, and then yeah finally we've got Brighton versus West Brom, <laughs> and this one was just flat out confusing. I've called this one the ugly because the first the, the last three were bad, so Brighton get a free kick on the edge of the box, and Lee Mason blows his whistle, yeah, for them to take it quickly. And they take it quickly, and they score. Because <laughs> Sam Johnson's, uh, again, for West Brom, is still sitting up his wall, and the wall's not really set. Classic, like, you've seen it happen before. You know? Not so much recently, but in the older days. Uh, free kick taken quickly, goal scored. And then, ruckus erupts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And then, like, they score, and then Lee Mason waves it off, because they took it too quickly. But then he calls it a goal, and then it goes to VAR, and what what are they what did they check for? I, I can't even remember. I I, th- I think that's the thing that was confusing, like why VAR got involved. So yeah, he he blew his whistle. They scored, they scored the goal. And then he blows his whistle a bunch of times, to, like to like wave it off, be like no, it's not a goal. And then he kind of like thinks about it, <laughs> and then points to the the center spot, saying goal. Yeah. And then VAR say no goal. Yeah, because they're like, and like, like the, the, in the replays, all they're showing is like a slow mo of as he kicks the ball, and it's like, what are you showing us here? <laughs> like, cool, the keeper's still on the post. Yeah, that's what was that? And then, so apparently, the story was what the commentators were saying is the goal was called back because the kick was taken too quickly. Yeah, and I'm just like, that's just like so overreaching from VAR there. Like Lee Mason's blown the whistle, like. 
I don't know. I yes. Yeah. I was just like, what is... This is the most confusing VAR thing the of only, the season. The only situation in which VAR should be used there is whether the whistle was blown. Yeah. Before he took the free kick. Yeah. And like, how, like, like the angle of the replay that they were showing, there's like no way you can tell. It's, it's, a, it's too far away. And B, I think he, Lee Mason's standing behind the player. There's like no way you can tell if he's blowing the whistle before he kicks the ball. Mm. And like the play, and he wouldn't have gone. Like like, he's a professional footballer. He wouldn't have kicked the ball before the whistle anyway. No, he blew the. I, I heard he blew yeah. the whistle a hundred percent. Yeah. So. He, he made he made a mistake in blowing the whistle though, and then yeah, everything just fucked up. From yeah. There and it was a very ugly use. Yeah. Very so ugly use of it, yeah. that's the good, the bad, the bad, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, the the third bad was like half good. Half good, but then mostly bad. <laughs> Um, onto some European football now, and like the like results happened. You know, um, the Champions League still only halfway through the round of sixteen. But notably, for the first time since two thousand four five, the Champions League quarterfinals will be played without either Ronaldo or Messi. And now, they're still incredible players. But one thing I've seen from Bleacher Report football, so take what they say with a grain of salt, because it's a bunch of yanks. Uh, who run that page um, is that the torch has been passed <laughs> to Harling and Mbappe by Ronaldo and Messi uh, acting like you know this is the start of the end of Ronaldo and Messi and that's just ridiculous like <laughs> I, I think it's ridiculous that the torch has been passed but it is the start of the end oh yeah maybe yeah. but I, I also just think that like Messi on a better team would not be out of the, like, it's, maybe it's like, I feel like the narrative is that the players have fallen off to a point where they can't win it anymore. I'm just like, no, the situations that they were in exactly just made it so, like, like the Barca team that Messi's in is garbage. And Messi was the best player for Barca twice in both legs against Paris Saint-Germain, but their defense is just rubbish and they've got no one else mm. that, like, shows up for a whole game. Messi actually did miss a bit of a sitter from like six yards out and also a penalty in that He game. did, but he's also like, he's he, he's but he was voted second in man of the match behind Navas. He still make, makes things happen yeah. and creates a bunch of chances. Like, I know, yeah, he's never been an overly good penalty taker. I don't know why he still takes them to be fair, probably because no one else can in that team. Because <laughs> the Barca team is garbage. Yeah, the Barca team is garbage. And then, yeah, Ronaldo, that Juventus team isn't as good as it was like two or three years ago. And I, I know he's not the player. Like, not, like, but like historically, he, he is a big game player. Um, and I just... I just I, I, like, while it may be the beginning of the end, because they're both... Like, Ronaldo's 30, almost 36, Messi's 33. Like, they're that good and they look after their bodies that well that they are going to be at the top level for at least two or three more years. And just put them in a better team and they'll be right back in the latter stages of the Champions League. I just think it's a bit rich to sort of act like 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 yo, oh, it's the end of the end of an era type of thing. Like like it may be it may like the the sun may be starting to set, but it's by no means setting. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I think that's de- that definitely holds for um for Messi. Like I if it, if if he, if he goes to Man City next season, like he's he's got a chance to to, to win the Champions League yeah. again. I think it's slightly different for Ronaldo. Yeah, just just from the game, like see, Messi still scored the crazy goal and was you know second best on the pitch, but Ronaldo didn't. I don't know. He's just starting to look a little bit yeah, lost cause... out there, and like the goal that they copped. Talk about um, how 
he kind of like, he, so he was in the wall and he kind of turned his back and opened his legs. I suppose that's something that yeah. could be excused. And, and the whole wall kind of disintegrated there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's actually, but, that, that's actually not related to... But, yeah, no, but, it, it, but it's like a little bit of like a leadership mentality thing. Yeah. Uh, but I also just think that like Messi's longevity, I mean, Ronaldo is two years older as well, but um, Messi's longevity is potentially less at risk just because he can adapt to not being just that... Like, Ronaldo has always been a goal scorer. Like, he's a poacher. He can finish really well inside outside the box, but he, like, scores so many of his goals just, like, poaching, poaching, poaching. Mm. Um, and that's why he, he's been able to score so many goals this long into his career, because, like, his pace still quite... He's still quick. Um, but he hasn't quite got that, like, you know, spark that he once had, the ability to beat a player and finish. Um, and it, when he loses that... Um, fast twitch fiber stuff to like having to beat a player, score a goal, hit a shot from angles. Uh, he kind of loses a big facet of his game. There's, he doesn't really do much in the facilitating side, mm. whereas Messi does. So I just feel like, yeah, Messi's still got a lot to give. But yeah, Ronaldo might be starting to go on the way out, but like he's still he's still equal top scorer in the in the City R. And the City R is not the great greatest league in the world, but yeah. he's, he's, he's still scoring goals. Yeah, I think... I think that's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to make any ideas about who's who's the better player, but I think what's clear is that Messi has always been the best talent, yeah. and Ronaldo has been the guy who works so hard and keeps his body in such good condition that he is up there and, and obviously an amazing talent as well. Yeah. But compared to Messi, it's not there. So I think as they're getting older, the fact that the physical side of his game has to decline with his age. It, it matters more for his longevity. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, apart from the North London derby, we'll just quickly before we wrap up, look ahead to we'll look at the ladder first. So City are far and away uh, 14 points clear despite losing to United. Um, Everton, if, if you guys win, uh, you'll against Burnley against Burnley because West Ham are playing United. You can go into fifth. That's actually a good game. United West Ham. That is a good game. Um, But yeah, so... And Liverpool playing Wolves. I mean, that's, you know, battle of the mid-table teams, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, if you guys don't beat Burnley, uh, Tottenham are hot on your heels and like we've both said, they'll probably beat us. Yeah. I think think for us, it's just trying to get Europa League and, and finishing above Liverpool for the first time in... A very long time. A very long time. <laughs> and with that, um, we are we're back. It's good to be back. We're back uh, under a new name. Um, again, work in progress with the name. On his touch, I like it, but we'll see how it works. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we're getting uh, suggestions from anyone else. Yeah. But yeah, that's us signing off. Um, more lukewarm warm takes next week on, on a date that we'll decide closer to the date. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys.